Welcome to Market Wrap for 18th of June 2022. It's Stuart Williamson here at the helm, as usual. Why do we do this? To help our clients and potential clients make informed and more informed decisions. That's what we do. This is number 105. Please do like, subscribe, comment. Comments are good. It's good fun. Um, answer last, last week's question, Bangkok. So mortgage interest rates are going up. It's official. Um, how does, why do we say it's official? Because basically last week, Aaron Richter reported for the New York Times that consumer prices have gone up by 8.6%. A re-acceleration of what had been that calming inflation in the US. Obviously makes it very difficult for consumers to uh, afford everyday things and poses a major challenge for the Fed and the White House as they try to create a strong and stable economy. So that settles speculation that on Wednesday, key interest rates will be raised by 0.75%. And that's what actually happened. The Fed increased it by 0.75%, the biggest increase since 1994. Not since Bill Clinton and Alan Greenspan were at the helm has such an increase been seen. Immediately, we had major falls in the stock markets. The S&P 500 index has fallen by more than 20% from its January high. It's now officially in a bear market. Look at cryptos. That's pretty poor as well. So where does it leave us with property? Will the Fed raise put more pressure on the Bank of England to accelerate its own round of rate hikes? Uh, today, because I'm rec recording this on Thursday, this the 16th, or is it Wednesday? Um, the market has priced in a 25 point increase. It may increase it, but the UK's by more than 25 basis points. But the UK's contracting economy and early signs of loosening in the jobs market do act as counterbalances. So let's just look at that in more detail. What do I mean by that? The economic outlook is worsening in the UK, but it's compared to what? Last week's OECD forecast outlined that the UK's economy is expected to stall next year. Data released this week showed that UK GDP fell by 0.3% month on month in April. However, the OECD still expects the UK economy to grow faster than that of the US, Japan and the Eurozone this year. While some sectors, such as construction, are seen very strong signs of positivity, with output increasing at 3.9% year on year to April. In addition to that strong market, you have the strong labour market, which defies the economic picture. UK unemployment rose to 3.8% in April, however the employment rate actually grew to 75.6%. And the number of new job vacancies has hit a record, keeping the labour market extremely tight. While the strength of the UK labour market may seem at odds with the prevailing economic narrative, which it is, a potential upshot could be that even just a perception of weaker outlook might tempt a few more people back into the offices. So, back to interest rates. All but one of the Times newspapers Shadow Monetary Policy Committee, what a great job that is, believe that the Bank of England should at least double 
the basis of its usual interest rate rises of 25 basis points this month. As of yesterday, financial markets were putting the chances of 50 basis points increase today at 43%, so it doesn't sound likely. <coughs> Excuse me. Mortgage rates are already ticking up, and leading indicators suggest that more is to come. Swap rates are a reliable barometer for the path of mortgage rates, and the five-year swap has moved from 2.15% at the end of March to 3.13% as of late last week. And if you ever get the chart, you'll see that is the case. So interest rates are definitely going up. So it doesn't mean we're in for a huge market crash. I mean, some of the comments on last week's wrap were 25, 30% crash. I don't think that's the case. As I said, we may see a dip next year, a small dip, but the shortage of supply, the robust labor market, the UK economy versus the rest, the fact that people can't afford to buy in are all positive factors that will keep the market buoyant. Yes, there are many negative factors, but it's all about having a seasoned, long-term view in the residential property investment market. That's what we're looking at. You know, as Warren Buffett said, if you're not buying for 10 years, don't think about it for 10 minutes. Same with property. Next week, the long-awaited Renters Reform Bill is out and it contains some very big changes. It will abolish the so-called no-fault Section 21 eviction. Now, Ben Beadle, who is um, the National Residential Landlord Association head, warned that abolishing Section 21 would make tenants feel less obliged to pay rent. I mean, that's a crazy thing to say. He says, for the new system to work, the government needs to ensure it includes a clear and comprehensive grounds upon which landlords can legitimately repossess properties. This should include a mandatory ground for serious rent arrears. It would be unacceptable if the new system gave any signal that paying rent was an optional extra. And it is really, isn't it? It's absolutely bonkers. If landlords are only able to evict tenants using Section 8, which is a much more slower process, where they must prove tenants have broken the terms of the tenancy, then more renters will actually end up in the county court. They will have judgments against them, CCJs, which will then hit their credit rating, which means they won't be able to get into places again. In the last three months of 2021, 5,260 households in England registered as homeless as a result of Section 21. Government data has shown, which is 41% higher, in 2019. Okay, Dan Wilson Craw of Generation Rent, who are a campaign group, said, we have seen a spike in Section 21 notices due in large part to the rises in rents and house prices. This has encouraged landlords to either find new tenants who can afford higher rents or sell up and cash out. Ultimately, the sooner the Section 21 is abolished, the better. That's pretty... That's a pretty tricky question, then. So what is the second big change? It's an end to the buy-to-let investors' allowance of placing blanket, blanket bans on pets in their lets. Okay, pets are a contentious issue as they cause higher maintenance costs for landlords. Just 5% of landlords allow animals in their properties at the moment, which is the lowest share for five years, according to Good Lord, a rental platform. 
Many landlords have banned pets. That's huge demand from renters as meant they can find tenants elsewhere. But a boom in cat and dog ownership throughout the pandemic has triggered a surge in demand from tenants with pets. A recent survey of renters by the Deposit Protection Service found 30% had moved from home to accommodate a pet. Had moved home, not from home. <coughs> Excuse me. It's understood that Housing Secretary Michael Gove will grant landlords powers to request tenants with pets to have insurance to cover any potential damage as part of the rental reforms. I understand people want to have pets when they move, but it's not a criteria for buying really, is it? Mr Norris of the NRLA, National Resident Landlord Association, said it was vital the law took a common sense approach to reflect the fact that some properties, such as flats, without gardens, would not be suitable for pets. He went on to say, likewise, in shared homes, the rights of those to have a pet need to be balanced with the rights of fellow tenants who might have concerns, especially those with certain allergies. In addition, it's unclear what pets are actually covered by the term pet. Is it just domestic cats and dogs? Is it my budgie? Or would I be okay bringing my golden eagle or my tarantula on board? Or even something more exotic? According to the UK Telegraph, desperate renters often offered hundreds of pounds over asking prices this year, although most have failed to win over landlords. According to the Telegraph, one prospective tenant with four sausage dogs offered 3,300 a week on a penthouse listed at 3,000 pounds, only for the landlord to accept a lower offer from the tenant with no pets. So big changes for landlords, and it is important why you need to be on board with who looks after your property. Are they completely au fait with the laws? So who can rent? How they rent? Can they sublet? What can they bring with them? All those sort of things. I spoke to a variety of people this week whose elderly parents were looking after properties, and that's wonderful for them, keep them involved in the business, keep them involved in your life. But is it fair to put that sort of stress on them? I think it certainly pays to employ a professional management agent to do it. So there we go, uh, 105, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, a bit shorter this week, do enjoy. Um, do like if you can, make any comments you'd like to of any sort. Take care, thank you very much, bye bye.